Hi, I'm Mel. You might know me from Mel and Joe or from the band Gypsy. I was very active during the uh, late 70s, right up to the 90s. So if you want to call me a 70s kid, well, you can't. Uh, I play all kinds of music. Uh, I love sentimental music. We played a bit of rock, rock and roll, country, and uh, I'd like to think we were fairly versatile in what we did. I'm the fifth child of six. Uh, the six of us, six siblings. My eldest is my sister. She plays bass guitar, keyboards, guitar. Then comes my eldest brother, Dixie, who plays guitar, mandolin, banjo, quite a few instruments. And there's Dennis, who plays drum. My sister's Emily, by the way. Uh, Dixie, my eldest brother, plays guitar, plays a lot of string instruments. Then Dennis plays the drums, plays guitar. Then there's Dawn who plays drums and guitar as well. Then there's me, then my younger brother Joe who plays uh, guitar, bass, keyboards. We listen to all kinds of music, so... Uh, there was a lot of, uh, I suppose, country and western, people like Jim Reeves, Hank Williams, but there was also a lot of pop. We listened to the Beatles, we listened to um, the Hollies, uh, and even the early Bee Gees and stuff like that. And I suppose because all of us could sing, there was a natural tendency for us to harmonize. You know, sort of naturally, we didn't um, sort of have to attend classes, we just heard the melodies and we all just joined in. So you could say, yes, uh, growing up, there was always music in the house. Come and take my hand. Well, it seems a shame when you call. Then when uh, I was about 12, my younger brother was 9, we took part in National Talent Time. Those days it was the uh, Radio and Television Singapore Talent Time. And uh, we had a very uh, successful run. And then I, I went in to do National Service, by which time I was already sort of playing a bit more electric guitar, more pop stuff. And uh, after I finished my army stint, I joined up with my older brother Dixie. Don, my other brother Don, and a very, very good friend called Bianco, and we uh, had a group called Gypsy. And I was in the band for about nine years. I quit, I started up another band for another three years, and then after that, I spent a lot of time in the recording studio, sort of on the other side of the microphone. The music scene, when I was performing uh, full-time, when I was a professional musician, which was from the uh, early 80s, right up to the time I, I stopped performing, which had been in 93, or so. It was very, very vibrant. There were lots of places. I mean, every hotel had a lobby lounge. Where if you didn't have a, a band, you'd have at least some sort of music, you know, maybe a two-piece, three-piece. There were theatre clubs, what they call theatre clubs at the time, where you went in and it was like a proper show. You had a big stage, you had a sound engineer, you had lights, two or three bands taking turns rotating. And, and like I said, it was it was great because one you had uh, the, you had the, the opportunity to build up a following. You had a, an opportunity to hone your craft. I think today is is tough because you know there's not many bands that have that kind of uh, opportunities. And you know, it's, it's very difficult, and this is no criticism to some of the younger bands, by any means. 
you know, but when you when you play once a week, twice a week, uh, to a, to a live audience, and and, and I'm uh, not discounting rehearsals and things like that, but you know, when you don't interact with the audience uh, six nights a week, when you don't perform together six nights a week, it's very hard to get as tight as what uh, would be ideal. You know, so and and understandably. Uh, it's very difficult to sustain a career in Singapore now as a musician because, you know, bills have to be paid, you've got to feed yourself. So, uh, you have more people performing part-time and having to have full-time jobs. Whereas, when, when we were performing, you know, practically all the musicians who were professional musicians, that was their job. I mean, that was their full-time career. You know, like, one of the things that I used to struggle with very much was there was this, uh, there was a certain sort of thinking that, oh, you, you played a musical instrument because you couldn't study or you couldn't do something else, which I strongly objected to because we all went through a very uh, vigorous education. Uh, probably qualified to do a lot of other things, but we decided to follow the passion we had, you know. So, yeah, there was a bit of prejudice. There was, you know, and, and sometimes it used to be very uh, frustrating. You know, you get people coming up to you and say, oh, but uh, what's your real job? So this is my real job, you know, this is how I earn my living. Uh, and you see the things, as I said, in those days, uh, well, even today to a certain extent, there's a, a certain bias that if it's from Singapore or can't be as good as from somewhere else. It was, uh, but on the other hand, it was also very fruitful and very productive, I think, because Back in the day when we were performing full-time, it was very different. Uh, the, even the, the modus operandi of club operators and all was different. We used to play like six nights a week and we had contracts for minimum of three months, six months, sometimes a year. So when you're, when you're playing regularly like that, it's also easy to, to, to build up a following. Um, mind you, there was no social media to publicize, so everything was either word of mouth, uh, newspapers, advertisements or TV appearances, radio appearances. I think probably the first song we did was my brother's composition called You Left Me For Another. Uh, which I, and I love that song, which is why when I had a chance to do my own solo album in 1993, I included that song in. And it's got a very, uh, very catchy, Tune. It's a sad song, but you know, it, people inevitably sort of gravitate towards it uh, when they play it and they love it, you know. And I remember the first time we did it, and then a few of the, 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 the guests came up to me and said, What's the title? Who's, who's the original? And so well, actually, it was us, you know. And we were pleasantly surprised by the, 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 the sort of reaction we got, the positive reaction we got. And it also gave us a little bit more, um, I suppose, uh, not so much courage, but a little bit more um, optimism to introduce more uh, originals. And when people started coming and requesting for the songs, then we knew that, okay, there was a great deal of acceptance. Because um, I think especially in those days, if you only played your, your originals, it was very, very hard to secure a contract, you know? People at the end of the day, they wanted to hear something familiar. They wanted to come in and dedicate songs to their girlfriends. Well, you see, we would sneak in our originals every chance we got. But 
You see, in those days, you didn't have as many overseas performers coming here. So, you know, nobody had a chance to see uh, the real thing. I mean, Elton John was a dream. He was always in the UK. And having said that, that was one reason why, for example, Australia, they had so many tribute bands because nobody wanted to fly to Australia. It was too far away. So they developed that sort of a, uh, that sort of direction for their music. In Singapore, I suppose we un unwittingly, unthinkingly, we developed versatility because we had to play all kinds. You know, it was very difficult for you to sort of specialize if you wanted to play only rock. You were limited to very few venues that you could play at. So you had to do all kinds. You did pop and, and Gypsy was very fortunate because we all sang. So you know, uh, different voices suit different genres of music, right? And, and also there was harmony, so uh, we covered all kinds of music and as I was saying, you know, it, it uh, helped you also get jobs in, in the sense that, you know, you were versatile enough, you had a following and, and uh, I think that also helped you as a performer to do what we would say, read the crowd. Yeah, because you look at the crowd and think, okay, this song isn't going to work. Uh, and and uh, that, that, that sort of experience, I suppose, you can't buy, money can't buy, you know? Well, when, we, when Gypsy first started out, we, we had uniforms, you know, where all of us were very, uh, you know, black shirts, red, red trousers and red vests. And so it was very really sort of, I suppose that was a drawback to some of the bands of the time. And then as we got on later on, we sort of developed our own sort of signatures, characters. And I mean, in a way, you know, if you look at the Spice Girls now, which is very manufactured, uh, which in a way is manufactured, but with Gypsy, because we were our own persons, uh, we also had our individual sort of fans, followers, friends, whatever have you. Uh, and that added to the, the total sum of things, you know. In the beginning, I suppose, we, uh, again, it was very consensual. They all sat down and said, okay, we want to do this, and everyone gave their ideas. Uh, but uh, afterwards, we just sort of, okay, this is how I want to be, how I want to dress, how I wanna wear, what I want to wear. There was a stage where we were very country, but that was also one of the contractual requirements. Uh, we were playing at the Royal Holiday Inn. And at the time, there was a huge um, oil boom in this part of the world. I suppose there were lots of, uh, what they call them, oilies working in Indonesia. And they were all, they, they, and, but they were based in Singapore. So whenever they came back on leave, they wanted to go somewhere. A lot of them were American, uh, either from Texas or from, from the South, right? And they all the country. So we actually were contracted by the Holiday Inn to, to be a country band. Originally, we thought they just wanted us to play country when we were not doing our normal repertoire because we had repertoire, but then they said, no, 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 we just want you to do country. So, okay. Uh, so we were very cowboyish and, and, and I suppose that's also when you really started, when, like for me, when I really started looking at the lyrical quality of the songs, I thought, you know, it, it's a bit underrated. A lot of people think, oh, country, three chords, a bit of a yodel here and there, you know, but actually it's uh, very meaningful, very meaningful. And, uh, and like I said, you know, some of, the, some of the music's simple but beautiful as well. Well, you see, before you, you had more, um, <clears throat> and also I think, like I said, you don't get any country music on the radio here. 
So whatever music you hear, usually it's because Brian Richmond plays it on the uh, the oldies program. So people associate country as being an old form of music, but if you actually tune into some of the latest country songs, it's very different. You know, I mean, a lot of the country music of today has got punch. Uh, you know, it's got a new sound to it. And I remember when I was in the, in the States uh, a couple of years ago, and I had these two young uh, gentlemen with me. They were working, uh, working with me, and they were in the army at the time. And we were driving through. I think it was, was Arizona. So I had the radio on, and they were like popping away, saying, "Oh, this music's great. What kind of music is this?" And I said, "It's country." And they couldn't believe it. Say, how come we don't get this back home? I said, "Well, you have to ask the radio stations, you know." I, you know, I've always loved all kinds of music, even though sometimes I do struggle a little bit with rap and techno, but you know, I think it's very clever what the people who produce it are doing. There are some, some kind, there are some certain kinds of music, I suppose, that would go very well in a dance environment, uh, but like from a performance point of view, I think it's very important to be melodic and lyrical. I mean, there are some songs which are very close to me. Not that they inspired me to become a musician or to take up music, but uh, there's this one song which uh, apparently my dad used to sing to me when I was a baby. I ended up singing it as well, and then now my daughter sings it as well. And that's Fraulein, the song called Fraulein, which is from 1959 or whatever. And uh, there's a few others. There's a song called Just Tell Me You Love Me, which is the first time I heard it. Um, it was at a very special time in my life. You know, that song still has a lot of meaning for me. Um, when it comes to like songs, I think music touches everyone in a different way. Like, you know, I, I also like country music. And I think in Singapore, we don't really know a lot about it because the country music that many people think of is very dated, very old-fashioned from the 50s and the 60s. But for me, the beauty of country music is the lyrical quality. You know, every song tells a story. I mean, it's not about how difficult it is to play. Or... And I think there, there are certain songs when, when you listen to it, you think, hey, hang on, that's my life that he's singing about. Or that's, that's how I feel, you know? And it catches you and it grips you. And like I say, it's about the lyrics. You know, when you, when you listen to lyrics, like uh, uh, from Love Me, from Colin Ray, or If Tomorrow Never Comes, you know, God Brooks. Beautiful. Actually, for me, I, I, what I do enjoy doing, and I personally think it's a lot harder to do, are ballads. You know, because one ballad, first of all, uh, people are going to sit back and listen to you. Uh, if you do a good job, they will want to see who's singing, right? or who's, who's the killing the song, you know, I mean, both ways. Uh, whereas when you're doing a fast song, sometimes the, the, the tempo, the music, the, up, the, the, the very upbeat factor of it, sort of, you know, hides the voice. And for me, I've always felt amongst all the instruments that I do play, the voice is my name. You know, so I enjoy playing the piano, I enjoy playing the guitar, you clearly whatever have you, but I think I enjoy singing the most. I think I have to thank my mom and dad for this because in when we were growing up, we were always reminded that whatever we had, you know, I mean, if you want to use the word talent, uh, whatever gifts we had, 
were gifts. That, you know, and when you when you have a gift, you need to share it. You know, so my greatest pleasure was always uh, knowing that whatever we're doing, we were reaching out, we were touching someone. You know, if we could make them feel happy, touch them in a positive way, that was uh, pleasure in, a, in in itself. That was already like the reward. You know. You know what's interesting is there are certain songs which are made, what they call re remakes, right? And all of a sudden they've got a new audience that, oh, have you heard this song? And have you heard this song? I remember when, uh, I think one of the Fugees, Killing Me Softly, one of the guys in the office came in, so I said, So listen to this lyric, he's strumming my pain with his finger. And then I finished the rest of the verse. He said, Oh, you're so cool, you know the song. I said, I've got news for you. <laughs> I'm not saying it's it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad, but what I'm saying is it reaches out to a different audience. And yet it's a great song to begin with. There are certain songs as well when I listen to the original, it takes on a different meaning. I'll give you an example. I will always love you. Everyone recognizes Whitney Houston, you know, and for her it was a declaration of you know, the way she sang it was, you know, so powerful and strong. But I also think in her delivery a lot of people lost the meaning. You know, I used to get guys coming in, oh, please dedicate this song to my wife. I will always love you. I said, are you trying to tell her something? Because that song's about saying goodbye, you know what I mean? And when you listen to Dolly Parton singing, I mean, Dolly Parton wrote the song, and it takes on a different complexion altogether. You listen to her and your, your heart bleeds because you got this person who's saying, I have to leave you, you know, but I will always love you. You better go back and look at the words or you might have a problem, you know? See as well, there's certain songs that remind you of a certain time in your life, right? Your first date, you know, uh, the first time you experienced something, the song was playing, you know, maybe your first day of uni or whatever it is, you know? And that song may mean something else to somebody else, you know? And so you might find that you love the song, oh, don't play that song, you know, it reminds me of something bad. But that's the beauty of music, you know, it touches people in different ways, right? You know, something which uh, probably never gets addressed or never gets talked about is how much home and parents influence you. I feel maybe there isn't enough music in society, you know what I mean? Aside from what you hear on the radio. But you see, the subconscious element where you grew up listening to stuff that your parents play. Yeah, it makes you also uh, want to find out more. You know, like you, you come across a song by a, a certain artist, you think, okay, what else did he or she do, you know? Also, it's very relative. If I asked you, okay, what, what kind of oldies do you listen to? You might name a group that I wouldn't consider old because I have, you know, older bands that I know of. So, right? so, but it's a fun thing to pass down. It's a fun thing to share, you know what I mean?